Hi, Chris North over here. Welcome to Ride and Talk, where I'm chatting with Andy Jukes about the wonderful world of motorcycles. Greetings, Andy Jukes here, and welcome back to Ride and Talk, the BMW Motorrad podcast. Today's guest is one of those genuinely enthusiastic souls who just lives and breathes motorcycling. In fact, the tagline, Make Life a Ride, could well have been written with him in mind. You may have seen him in various BMW Motorrad videos or been passed by him on a racetrack. He's pretty fast. Perhaps he's even taught you to ride off-road or shown you a few tricks at an exhibition. There really isn't that much that this guy can't do on two wheels, and sharing the joy with a big grin on his face is what he does best. So strap yourselves in and listen to the wild and wacky world of Chris Northover. Welcome to Ride and Talk, Chris. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Ah, thanks for having me, Andy. It's been a pleasure. Now, listen, there's that famous BMW Motorhead hashtag out there, never stop challenging. That could have been invented for you, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, they uh, they did tie that one in quite nicely when I, uh, I think it was on the, 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 the Snaked Roadster type bikes that that came along on. And uh, yeah, it did open the door for me to do stupid stuff, which is always good. Now, the last time we spoke, you were teaching a bunch of us to ride GSs off-road in deepest Wales. And even though you were instructing and obviously behaving yourself on the bike, you could still see your enthusiasm and how much you enjoyed just being out there on two wheels with other riders. Have you always been like this? I have, yes, particularly around bikes, but I've, I've just sort of, yeah, I enjoy being outside and, and the coaching stuff has always been a big part of my life. I was, I was a swimming teacher from the age of 16. So it doesn't matter whether I'm pushing myself or helping others learn new skills or just goofing around having fun. I, I'm a happy man when I'm outside and I'm on a bike for sure. So tell me, who was your original inspiration? And was it the same person that got you riding in the first place? I mean, yeah, it probably was because it was. I grew up with a family of motorcyclists. My dad, my all my uncles, my mum, my nan, my granddad, they all rode bikes and I can remember from a very young age, sort of looking up to those guys and and wanting to be in in the cool gang, wanting to want to have stories of my own about crashing and racing and all this stuff. So definitely, as a even before I kind of idolised racers, it was my my dad and my uncles that I wanted to be like. Yeah, I remember seeing you on a BMW video somewhere, stating that as a kid your ambition was to race and to be a world champion. You gave it a decent shot, at least, didn't you? <laughs> yeah i was convinced convinced for years i was going to be world champion that was what i wanted i think yeah as i got older with bikes i i grew up in that real strong era of of world superbike racing and watched all the races and went to brands hatch to see it with my parents i think that got under my skin and made me really want to be a road racer and and go as far as i could i got to race in the world championship paddock but yeah no no world titles to my name had a hell of a time though and did you always want to make a living in the bike industry, sort of following that, or at the same time, or did you just sort of fall into it like a lot of the uh, lo- like a lot of journos out there? I think, yeah, probably the latter. Really, I, I I would have loved the idea of working in the bike industry. I just never believed it was a possibility. Um, so I was I wanted to be a pilot, and then I switched to engineering, um, and that was kind of I was stoked. I got a job working in the motorcycle industry as an engineer. That blew my mind even when i was 24 i was so excited and then 
yeah to be in the position i'm in now where i'm i'm riding bikes and making a living out of riding motorcycles it, it was a dream that i never thought was achievable when i was a kid and i still pinch myself over it now was it a design engineer you were working as i, I believe it was for another brand but what exactly were you doing there yes yeah, so a design engineer it sounds like i drew pictures of motorbikes but my drawing's terrible it's um as a design engineer, you kind of take the stylist's vision and turn that into reality. So everything from exciting things like making the bodywork and fitting all the bodywork together to boring stuff like making a bracket to hold the fuse box. Um, it's all those detail bits that it's incredibly long-winded, the, the effort that goes into designing a modern motorcycle, but a really rewarding process. Yeah, and certainly made you appreciate that as well, I guess. It makes me feel bad when I crash one now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of crashing, where did you develop those stunt riding skills in the first place? I mean, was it from a BMX or a skating background as a kid? Or, or was it just, you know, a lot of practice and plenty of crashing along the way? I, I honestly think I was, I was yeah, I had a, it's quite a strange childhood. I did, I was very lucky. I did lots and I did a lot of trampolining and gymnastics. Um, probably, in all honesty, more seriously than motorcycle racing for most of my life up to the age of about 14 15 i did motorcycle riding occasionally but trampolining and gymnastics was kind of my f my focus and my parents kind of helped me to get quite good at that you learned how to fall gracefully <laughs> or at least land on my feet yeah my friends always call me the cat <laughs> I think a lot of people know you from the storming the Russian embassy video you did on the Osset. How many views has, has that uh, little film had now? Uh, at last count, it was over 25 million, I think. Um, yeah, it's blown my mind. <laughs> fair play, fair play. I guess you'd say that little fi film changed your life more than just a little bit. Ah, 100%. Yeah, it, we were, someone mentioned it the other day, and we did that as a couple of friends goofing around and wanted to make a cool movie. Um we never for a minute believed it would be as successful as it has. And like you point out, they had such a big impact on my career. I'm still getting phone calls now of people that know me from that video and want to book me to do something completely irrelevant, but people recognize you. So, Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, for those who haven't seen it, just search it up. It's well worth a watch. Do you always like to set yourself riding challenges, you know, like learning how to backflip, for example? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've, it's part of yeah it's part of what keeps motorcycling exciting for me um is is always trying to find something new to learn something new to do it's it's exhausting there's never there's there's a never-ending supply of possibilities of of bikes to ride and tricks to do and stunts to learn and disciplines to learn and the backflip was yeah as an example of that it was something i'd seen for years and thought i'd love to try that and yeah you just have to make it happen and pass or fail <laughs> So the last time I saw you, you just moved to Wales and bought an old farmhouse that you were planning to do up. How's that project going? <laughs> I've been flat track racing and I've been mountain bike racing. And yeah, I have a very understanding family. Um, the house isn't finished. No, four years. The six month project is four years in. It's never going to be finished, is it? If I remember rightly, it came with a few outbuildings, so I'm interested to know what vehicles you've been, you know, you've been able to cram into those barns. So the the last count, the 30, 31 motorcycles and seven, no, eight cars. 
Good effort, good effort. I've heard you've uh, discovered flat tracking, but are you building anything exciting in there? I'm just turning the camera so you can see. <laughs> I go and ask me that question again. Wow, fantastic. What's that, an old rally car? Is that an Escort? That is a Mark II Escort, yeah. That's my historic rally car. That was that was a, a brief life after racing. Have you got any uh, BMWs in there? No, the, B, the BM, BMW works. That's why it's in the other garage. <laughs> Good man, good man. And someone told me you've also built a bike track in your backyard. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yeah. Part of buying the farm for us was to to, to make a bit of room and have some have some playing space. So I'll do a lot of lot of off road riding at the moment. So we've got a enduro track in the farm. Nice, nice tra- training track. Um, we did the Scottish six day trial. Me and a friend a few years back. So we built a load of trials training sections for that to put some hours in. And then this wonderful thing called lockdown, which has been, I know, hard for a lot of people, but it, it made a lot, I think it made a lot of us spend time doing the things we've never got around to doing. And for me, that was building the BMX track. So there's a, a little BMX track in the in the back garden that me and my boy have been whizzing laps ever since for the last three months now. Superb. I mean, every cloud does have a silver lining, doesn't it? And you just mentioned your little boy. So you've obviously been getting him into bikes at an early age. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite happy for him to not into be bikes. If he wants, to, if he wants to do golf or swimming or fishing, I, I'm not fussed at all. But yeah, it's kind of inevitable when he's around me, my wife, all of our friends, the whole whole family. Everyone's into bikes still. So yeah, bike was one of his one of his first words for sure, and he he gets very excited every time you fire up an engine. Superb. Now, for anyone outside the UK who doesn't know Wales, can you explain what a magical place it is for riding, both on-road and off-road? Yeah, I mean, that's the reason I moved here. Wales is a is a mecca for motorcycles. The, the, the weather's the only downside to it. If you don't like the rain, Wales can be a pain. But in all honesty, we've got such fantastic mountain roads, loads of legal trails for riding adventure bikes and enduro bikes on. Um tracks we've got two race tracks we've got a lot of original old school road racing circuits real characterful places like Aberdare park which is a road race around a duck pond which is bonkers um and and as well as the roads and the scenery the the people as well especially in south wales especially around where i live people are into bikes you know the, all the old farmers love a bit of enduro there's loads of racing in the welsh blood whether it's rallying or motorcycles and it does feel like a kind of a bit of a petrolhead nation at times. Are you still instructing at the BMW Off-Road Skills School down there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, this will be my 10th year of instructing with them. Um, don't feel like stopping yet. It's a really rewarding thing to do. And, and the flip side is you get to ride some awesome bikes in some incredible places around the world too. What would you say you enjoy most about that role? Honestly, it sounds corny but it's bringing people into the world of off-road motorcycles um it's not easy to access if you've not got friends or colleagues that are riding off-road already it can seem quite intimidating and i think working off-road skills is it's always something we've tried to do is to make it as welcoming as possible to people who've got no off-road experience and and bringing those people in and then seeing them two or three years later with a bike on knobbly tires, a GS adventure covered in mud in the south of Portugal, and you think, bloody hell, sorry, <laughs> you, you you probably had a really easy life before we got you messed up in this. 
Any idea how many people you've talked to ride off-road down there? Ooh. Um, it'd be in, yeah, it'll probably be around the thousand mark. I'd, I'd say the school does a thousand, just over a thousand people a year. I teach on half of those schools normally, and I normally take a group of ten people. My maths is failing me now. <laughs> a thousand's a good number. We'll stick. We'll stick with that. Yeah. I mean, it must be amazing to help people develop the skills to ride those big bikes, and then watch them discover that new world of riding and adventure travel opportunities that a bike like the GS offers. Definitely, and it's and it's a real massive confidence builder to know that when the road does kind of turn into a gravel track you're excited to ride it rather than fearfully toddling along with your legs out it's a i think it's a very uh, liberating experience being able to know that you can take a a gs anywhere you want yeah i mean you've also been involved with helping organize the the national gs trophy qualifiers for the uk team over the past years do you feel like the standard of riding is improving with each edition or or not no it's a, it's an interesting fact actually I, I've, I've been involved in the gs trophy qualifiers for since i started with off-road skills for a good 10 years now and as you mentioned running them for a few years more recently and yeah definitely you're seeing the top the sort of top tier of riders are getting better and better and that that sort of fight for the prize of being on the team is getting tighter and tighter and we're having to come up with harder challenges and tighter scoring systems but on the flip side to that i think we're definitely seeing more riders of a you know less capable off-road ability joining in the fun and and again that that i think is just as important to get that whole spread of people from the expert riders to the to the novices and get them all in enjoying the gs trophy events absolutely no very important do you still own your did you have an r 1150 gsa was that the bike that you do you own yes yeah i've i've got an r 1150 gsa um I'm going to pick another one up on Saturday, and you found oh, another yeah, one. You can never have too many GSAs. Yeah, well, the, is it an, is it another 1150? It's another 1150 GSA. Yep. They're kind of getting rare as hen's teeth at the minute, aren't they? So you've done well to find that, or find someone that wants to sell it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and more recently, I've got into the the older Airhead GSs. So I've had a R100 GS from 1989. Um, that a friend of mine actually bought and rode back to Munich. He works at BMW in Munich, so that's gone back to Germany, back home now. And then I've got an R80 as well, which I absolutely adore riding. What year is that from? Uh, same as me, 86. Superb. Just hang on to it. Just I will. hang on to it. But if you, if you ever feel like you need to sell it, you know where I am. <laughs> Just touching on road riding briefly, um, I'm always interested to ask this question to people who've raced nationally or even internationally like yourself. A bike like the Double uh, R, the customer version I'm talking about, how would how do you feel this compares with, let's say, you know, a thousand cc race bikes that you were honing around on in Superstock Championships a few, just a few years ago? Really, it's it's night and day. Um, I rode the when I raced Superstock Thousand, I rode the very first S Thousand Double R, which at the time was head of the head of its head of its competition it was a, a properly incredible bike but it was a hard bike to to ride fast it it you know not wanting to sugarcoat it, it beat the living daylights out of me for a couple of seasons it, it you know it, especially on the small british tracks 
and I've actually got a test coming up on the very latest um, spec S1000RR in road and super stock trim. And having ridden them a couple of times, it, it you know they're they're faster, but somehow miles easier to ride. And and that's the biggest change is they've made the performance more accessible and less tiring to use. Yeah, understood. Now you once described yourself as I believe it was relentlessly enthusiastic. And you seem to find a way to have a ball on just about any bike, you know, even those without 210 horsepower, like you showed with that G310R that with the long border dude, you, you made a film of him in Brazil, I think. Um, do you believe there's fun to be had on all kinds of bikes? Absolutely, absolutely. I think if you're uh, if you're not too worried particularly about how good you are or how good people think you are, if you can just put all that out of your mind, motorcycling has so much to offer. So yeah, I'm, I I can't get enough of riding any bike, and I think as long as you're not too worried about what other people think of your riding or or pushing yourself too hard to to succeed all the time, there's a whole load of fun to be had. Whether I'm riding, like you say, a 200 horsepower race bike, or whether I'm bumbling down the shops on a step through, just yeah, I still get such a buzz from being on a bike, and I think there's 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 something for everyone. Go and ride just go and ride yeah now do you have any motorcycling heroes you know people that have really inspired you in life definitely um as a kid it was mick Doohan and carl fogarty i was kind of obsessed with those two um and then growing up dougie lampkin for the trials riding and and probably have to admit it's, it's cliched now but travis pastrana he's he's uh as, a, as an athlete as an action sports athlete and a personality He's got a lot to answer for. It's all your fault, Travis. Yeah, he was kind of there first, wasn't he? I can remember Chris Pfeiffer saying uh, exactly the same thing when he'd uh, spent a bit of time in his foam pit back in the day. <laughs> wow, yeah. Where would you say is the best place you've ever ridden then? Oh, no, that's a tricky one. You're making me choose between my favourite children. Okay, well, give me give me an on-road version and an off-road version then. Okay, so my, my best on-road place to ride... I'm going to say is Brands Hatch Grand Prix circuit. I've been lucky to ride a lot of tracks around the world. And every time I come back to Brands, I have a fizzy feeling in my tummy. Even even though I've ridden there a squillion times, I think I can still remember being a kid with my nose pressed against the wire fencing. And every time I leave pit lane at Brands Hatch, I always have that, oh, I shouldn't be here. Which corner is it for you at Brands Hatch then? It's, it's, probably paddock hill bend it's a cliche it's a toss-up between paddock hill bend and um what's now called sheen curve both those bends are yeah bends that i've every time you go around them they are a roller coaster and they're blind and they're difficult and technical i've always been quite quick on those two bends so it was always a good overtaking spot for me and yeah just yeah those are the ones that define brands hatch i think yeah, not everyone can overtake a Paddock Hill Bend, that's for sure. There's a lot of people come to grief there. Okay, so that's the on-road. Give me the off-road then. Best off-road place I've ever ridden. I'm going to put this out to a trip I did with some friends in America, and we rode in Utah for two days. And it was just the 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 vast freedom was the bit that blew my mind. Just being able to ride for hours and hours and hours in wilderness with incredible views all sorts of terrain and not see another soul that that was really special 
Yeah, fantastic. And here's one for you then, Chris. Where do you still really want to ride? Oh, so actually, I've been doing a little bit of work with um, Motorrad Tours, who's BMW UK's kind of touring arm, and they are a nightmare because they constantly show me pictures of incredible riding destinations. And at the moment, my kind of desperate to go and ride in place is probably Patagonia. Every time those guys come back from a tour, they just babble incessantly for three weeks about how good Patagonia is. And that's so for me, that's a real must see destination. Yeah, yeah, I've ridden in Patagonia. I thoroughly recommend it and also spoken to actually Richard Millington's been on the podcast and he he also mentioned Patagonia as one of his bucket list uh, places <laughs> to ride. So I, I totally get that. So when normal service resumes in the world, wherever that is, um, what's the next challenge for Chris North over them? So you've mentioned already yeah, the flat tracking is the big thing for me at the moment. Um I'm really, really excited by the flat track race series, particularly on the big bikes. Um, it's something I've actually been meaning to do for two or three years now, but I've finally got round to it and then they cancelled all the races, but minor blip. Um, so the flat tracking is a big, a big project for me. Um, and then the next thing after that is I've got a, a little game called Moto Decathlon that I've invented in my head, which is to race... 10 different disciplines on the same motorcycle yeah you know when you were talking about flat tracking then and i think you're doing that on the 1200 indian aren't you can you can you flat track on pretty much any bike yeah of course you can <laughs> whether whether you'll be fast or not is always the uh, <laughs> the battle there but it's possible that's brilliant moto decathlon okay well i remember that and listeners remember where you heard that first that's been absolutely brilliant talking to you chris thanks ever so much for chatting to us today it's been a real pleasure where can people follow your exploits so most of the stuff i get up to now days is on either my instagram channel which is chris.northover not very inventive name um but i work a lot with bike world um, which is a, a tv show in the uk and so most of our misdemeanors and 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 trouble we get into is on there so you can usually stay tuned and find out where in the world chris is crashing a bike next brilliant well listen thanks for talking to us you take care now and enjoy the weekend mate fab lovely to speak to you andy see you soon thanks chris you're a ruthless enthusiast indeed and if it's got two wheels you can be sure to find where the limits are good on you mate and we salute your never stop challenging attitude by the way if any listeners out there didn't catch that video reference earlier, just search up Storm the Embassy on YouTube and watch him playing inside and outside an old Russian consulate building on an Osset electric trials bike. It's five minutes of magic, I can assure you. Well, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to Chris's antics. And if you're liking what we're doing with the Ride and Talk podcast, then please let us know by giving us a rating as it'll help others find us. Until next time, stay safe out there and make life a ride. Bye for now.